0: been in a series this is the last week on a series take captive and so what we've been saying is that your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts with that being said, we've been reading the scripture about the weapons of our warfare are not but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. They're, 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 they're strong weapons and, and what we want to use these weapons to take captive every thought and make them obedient to Christ because our life is moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Take captive every thought. And we said Romans twelve two says, says that we want to be transformed into a whole new person by renewing the way we think we have different outlooks about everything, insecurities, all, 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 all different kinds of things that's happening on a daily basis that are coming at us every day. And we want to transform our life to look like Christ by renewing the way we think. We talked about reframing the things that we see so that way every circumstance we're not a prisoner of, but we see it the way God sees it. And lastly, we also talked about uh, this last week uh, about learning to meditate on truth, see truth. Well, this week, I want to talk about peace. As we've been talking about insecurities and fears and worries and doubts and anxiety, and, and I, I've been talking to people even still during this series, which is stirring up a lot of beautiful, terrible and beautiful things in people's lives. The people have been saying, I, I, I can't sleep. I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm and, thinking. And, and, and there's just overwhelmed. There was a season in my life where I also was overwhelmed. And I remember talking to a, a grandmother in the faith, and she was a woman of God, and she used to mentor me and uh, this woman asked me uh, how my day was and I just began to dump on her. I was overwhelmed, there was a relationship situation and I I was so concerned about what was going on and it just was overwhelming my perspective on everything. I couldn't see that life was even a good day. She asked me if I had peace. It really floored me because I thought yes, but as I was realizing it, well, not at the moment, you know, I mean, like right now I don't feel peace And she said, well, this is a fruit of God's spirit. If you don't have peace, what happens is there's conflict. And that conflict goes into every other circumstance in your life, and it boils over and it creates chaos into other relationships, other areas of our life. We want to move and operate in peace. So I, I went after God and I sought the Lord as a friend and as a partner and as someone that cared about me and God, what's going on and why don't, I, why, what, what, what's happening and where's the peace. And I realized there was in my life, a lack of trust that he would take care of something that was out of my control. See, I, I, I made prayer like the last resort I was trying to do everything I could and it wasn't working. And so now I'm going to God and, and like, Hey God, like will, will you do it? And I wasn't trusting him with it. This happens often. I want to take you into the scripture that we were reading last week in Philippians chapter four. I was reading from eight, but, but this week, I actually want to start off in verse six, listen to what the apostle Paul says. He says, be anxious for nothing but with prayer, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, with your thanksgiving, let your request be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding and will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brother, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are, are, are noble, whatsoever things are, are just, what things are pure, whatever is lovely, if there, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and praiseworthy, then meditate on these things and the things that you have learned and received and heard from me, do them and the peace of God will be with you. See, so he starts off this passage talking about learning how to be anxious for nothing but pray with prayer and petition, let your requests be known to God. And he says, the peace of God will be with you. Why that's important is because we have conflict. We're up at night thinking about all kinds of situations, all kinds of situations, all kinds of situations. And we're, we're bringing them to God. We're bringing them to God. And so many of us are talking to God every night as we're, we're, we're laying in bed or as we're, as we're driving in our car and we're, oh God, you know, I got this, God, I'm thinking about this. And God, I'm thinking about this. And so what happens is, is we're, we're dialoguing with the Lord and we're bringing to him our problems. And as we're talking to God about all of these things that are out of our control and that are worrying us, that night that I was talking to God for hours about one situation, I wanted to make sure that I found peace. What I realized is that this is something we gotta do. I found this on the web. You do what you can do. You give to God what you can't do. And you trust him no matter what happens you do what you can, you give to God what you can't do, and you trust him no matter what happens. In our life, what I'm realizing is that as we're praying, some of us are praying in our life, but the problem is is that our worries are so much bigger. So read that verse in Philippians, what he says is that I want you to make your request be known to God with thanksgiving. If you want peace, We start off prayer with thanksgiving because what happens is is that we're actually thanking God for worries, but what we should be doing is praising God and worrying about worries less. Our worries are bigger than our God and it's terrible. And so we're, we're, we're talking to God about all these big problems in our life and we don't realize who we're talking to. Stop. Prayer is not a duty, it's an opportunity. It's a wonderful gift to dialogue with the Lord. Oh God, you love me. I'm the God of the universe and you're inviting me into relationship and you have more wisdom than me. You're stronger than me. Your ability goes further than me. You can do all things. You can actually correct me from doing, you can stop me right now from even caring about this problem. God, you are my resource. You're bigger. I thank you. I've got some problems and I'm gonna cast my cares on you. And this is what makes the difference. We give our worries to God and our worries are smaller than God's. But see, what happens is some of us, we're we're casting our cares on God, we're waiting and we prayed it and I trust you, God, for 10 seconds. But I'm taking it back because you didn't solve it fast enough. And many of us, Oh, no, we're going to start worrying about it again. No, I'm going to start worrying about it. No, 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 no. God, I trust you. I, I can't control it anyway. My teenagers, I can't control them. They're yours. And I'm giving them to you, God. I believe you can deal with it. My finances, I'm giving them to you. I'm working. I'm doing everything I can. It's yours now, God. And we give it to him and we trust him with the results. God, you can do whatever you want to do in my life. And so by praying, what happens is we take captive these worries, these thoughts, these fears, these anxieties. We take everyone and we train them to obey God. And we allow peace to reign in our life because we're thankful to who we're actually spending time with. We're thankful for life. We're thankful for friends. We're thankful for family. We're thankful for health. We're thankful. We're thank God, we're thankful for you. Now there's peace. And now, God, I have these things I want you to know about. See, prayer will transform us. Listen to this. There's a doctor that, that, um, Caroline Leaf, she's on the internet all over the place. She she wrote a book called Switch on Your Brain. In that book, she had this quote. She said, it's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-hour period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Wait a second. Prayer, daily, 12 minutes a day for eight weeks, will change who you are. Prayer doesn't just have power to change circumstances. It can actually change me from the inside out. Scientifically, it will physically change who you are. That's awesome. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Prayer isn't something I have to do. Prayer is something I get to do. And when I dialogue with the God of the universe, the God that created my soul, the God that created my beautiful wife and my beautiful children, the God that created all these wonderful people that are in our church today, the God, the creator of the known universe, likes me. It's a privilege to talk to him. Many of us, we're talking to him as a last resort because we have all of these things that are weighing us down and all we see is stuff. And we have to reframe our brains and meditate on the Lord and not on stuff. We meditate on the Lord and not on these worries. I was thinking about worries this week. Worries, anxious, for no, don't be anxious. These things that are keeping some of you up at night, these things that are weighing you down, these things that are out of your control, what are they? Worry is sin. I'm saying it. Yeah, I know we only call things sin that are like outlandish that the church has abhorred for years. Worry is sin and it's weighing you down. Worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. Worry is the sin of saying, God, I know that you said that you would deal with this and I know that you're able to, but God... (laughs) I'm taking it back because you didn't deal with it fast enough. No, 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 no. We trust God with it and it's staying with him. And it's not mine anymore because I I believe that God can do exceedingly abundantly more than I can ever ask or imagine. And I'm giving it to him permanently. Worry is a sin and something that we don't want to hold on to. Listen to this. Those, Romans chapter eight says this, for those that are dominated by their sinful nature, think about things. Think about, uh, those that are dominated by sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those that are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Holy Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the, 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 the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Letting worry lead you, it leads to death, it leads to chaos, it leads to to conflict, it leads to, to problems and issues and overwhelming and overwhelming and lack of sleep. And now we're blowing up on the kids because of worries that we've taken on that we, but letting your life be led by the spirit focusing on the Lord, praising the Lord, enjoying the Lord, enjoying your family, letting thanksgiving and meditating on things that are good, lovely, praiseworthy, have virtue, leads to life and peace, a fruit of the spirit that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The series has been great. A lot of people are being shaken up by it. Not only do I want you to see what God wants you to see, things that are good and hopeful, I want you to spend time with him. I want you to enjoy him. I want you to love him and let him love you. This is not a duty. This is the greatest privilege that God has ever given us. Peace. I give to you. Not as this world gives, do I give unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, nor let them be afraid, the scripture says. Be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world and all of the problems from the world that you're putting on your back. Listen, I am praying that God is gonna have his way in every heart and every mind in this room here today. I'm so thankful. I love you guys, and I can't wait to see you guys next week at Connect Groups on Wednesday night. I love you. God bless you.
1: All right. How many have been enjoying this series? Take captive. It's been life-changing, right? (laughs) When you start to recognize the things that are on autoplay. All right. So today I want to share with you some things that I personally have found super encouraging. Um, A few of them are some scientific finds. Pastor Tim did refer to one of them. Um, Which we didn't really connect on, which I find (laughs) awesome that he found a quote uh, specifically about prayer, which is so great. Um, And then a few areas where it gets a little bit more practical into our day to day thinking. Okay, so let's go ahead and praise together. Father, we thank you so much for what you've already done through this series. I thank you, God, that you're allowing us moments in time to stop and think about what's happening. In our minds, God, we choose right now to just give you our worries, and we just pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would just increase in those areas of thinking. Have your way here, God. I thank you that you can do so much more in an instant than we could ever imagine. Thank you for your hand. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, I'm going to start by reading two verses to you. Um, And this first one is a little bit lengthy, um, but we're going to read it in the message version. It's a little more conversational and kind of read together. So it says, this commandment that I'm commanding you today isn't too much for you. It's not out of your reach. It's not a high mountain. You don't have to get mountaineers to climb the peak and bring it down to your level and explain it before you can live it. It's not across the ocean. You don't have to send sailors out to get it, bring it back, and then explain it to you before you can live it. No. No. The word is right here now, as near as the tongue in your mouth, as near as the heart in your chest. Just do it. Look at what I've done for you today. I've placed in front of you life and good, death and evil, and I command you today, love God, your God, walk in his ways, keep his commandments, regulations, and rules so that you will live, really live, live exuberantly, blessed by God, your God, and the land you are about to enter and possess. But I warn you, if you have a change of heart, refuse to listen obediently and willfully go off to serve and worship other gods, you will most certainly die. You won't last long in the land you are crossing in the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I place before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life that you and your children will live. And now we're going to read Ecclesiastes 10.2. This I like. It's very blunt and sums it up pretty well. It says, wise thinking leads to right living. Stupid thinking leads to wrong living. <laughs> so the question is, how do we choose life? How do we walk in a way that leads to life and right living? So, if any of you have been in a Connect group with me over the past few years, or even had coffee with me, you've probably heard me refer to some of the information that I'm going to cover today and share with you. I've come to really enjoy studying this topic and and um, this particular thought, basically, um, because of taking thoughts captive, walking in right thinking, um, things of that nature, because it has so drastically changed the landscape of what was happening in my own mind, and that was in autoplay on my own mind, so I just want to share some of that stuff with you. I feel like it's really encouraging, very hope-filled, and it's research of a Christian cognitive neuroscientist, and... Um, all all basically wrapped in that, what science is discovering, and how we can walk in peace with some of that knowledge. So science is starting in recent years to catch up with what the Bible has told us all along about renewing our minds, choosing life. Um, the verse is, so as a man thinks in his heart, so is he and many other aspects of the Word of God regarding our thought life and our thinking. So, cognitive neuroscience is starting to prove very specific things about our brains and the ability that our brain has to regenerate cells. There's neuroplasticity in our mind, which basically means that the brain is malleable, it's adaptable, and it's changing moment by moment of every day. So, Pastor Tim referred to this, where they can literally see on a brain scan, right? They're starting to see the brain as having renewable characteristics. So, for many years, they thought that the brain was a hardwired machine, you have what you have, and if it was damaged in some way, that it was incurable or irreversible. But now, that is no longer true among the neuroscience fields, and they're starting to put some of these things into practice with, with people in a multitude of situations in life. Um, this is also why Pastor Tim has been reminding us that your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, right? Because the neuroplasticity of our minds can work for us or it can work against us, depending on what we choose to think about. So they're finding that as we think, it's changing the actual structure of our brain. So we're not victims of our biology or our circumstances. We react to those circumstances, and they truly play a part. In what we're doing. So we can consciously direct our thinking, right? And in science, it's shown to actually make a difference in those pathways. So in the first week, Pastor Tim referred to an illustration of snow sledding, right? So he talked about um, that first person that goes down the hill creates that pathway, and then those that come after follow. Um, And this is very, very true. These these pathways are very real in our brain, and they look similar to trees. And they have many branches that come off in multitude of directions. And I have a little illustration for you here, um, just to kind of give you a picture. So it literally just has like multitude of branches that go out from that. So they have found in recent years, where they didn't really know or recognize this in the past, that where these these changes are taking place, where a thought is generated toward toxicity or wrong thinking, these branches of these little trees called dendrites, they actually shrivel, shrink, and in some cases, sever, right? But a life-giving thought, which we are pre-wired for love, power, and a sound mind, those thoughts actually structurally change those tree-like structures, and they start to grow new pathways and new branches. Isn't that so interesting? So we have the ability with our thoughts and our reactions to those thoughts. I shared in first service that this morning as I was getting ready, I had a memory of my dad who would always, and they were here in first service, but he would always say, like we sibling arguments and this and back and forth and you get angry, and I would say, he's making me so angry. And he would say, nope, he's not making you angry. Like, you have the choice to react. And as a child, you're like, oh, n- nope. <laughs> um, but that happens to us. And I'm going to explain a little bit more why that happens to us. We just react, right, very quickly. Those, those feelings come up very quickly. So we're going to talk about that too. Um, but we have set before us life and death. We can choose life. So a literal renewing of our mind can take place when we purpose and choose life-giving thoughts. So I want to make sure that I'm very clear that it is the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us into all truth. So I'm not suggesting that you do this on your own. I'm, I'm suggesting that you allow the Holy Spirit, allow Him to make those decisions as you come to him and submit to him. Help me. What areas of my mind need to be renewed? What needs to happen? Because he, he knows what needs to happen. I'm not saying mind over matter or um, manifesting things with your, nothing like that. What I'm saying is we can choose life. We can choose the promises in the word and choose those things and choose reactions based on that. Let's read together Ephesians 4, 21 through 24. It says, And then we're going to read Romans 12 two. Pastor Tim did mention this, but we're going to repeat it um, in light of this information. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Isn't that powerful? It's <laughs> awesome. So there's a quote by Martin Luther that says, You cannot keep birds from flying over your hair, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. There is another scientific study that shows us that our brains are made to filter thoughts. So it has the ability to place, uh, the ability and specific place to take those thoughts captive within the frontal lobe. So there's a clear, they're starting to be able to track and follow um, through all sorts of things that I don't fully understand, impulses and all this stuff, but where there's a clear process route of passage that it goes through the frontal lobe before it becomes a part of us and our thinking. So we have to learn to take thoughts to trial, right? We have the ability to objectively observe our thinking with the ability to capture those rogue thoughts before they have the ability to make a negative impact, before they have the ability to start to shrivel up those things, correct? Um, Recently, we went out for a day of scalloping, and we had a um, large pontoon boat, there was a group of us, and it had a slide on top, and the kids were sliding down into the ocean and having a good time, and we're out scalloping and all of this. Well, we brought with us an absurd amount of pool noodles. <laughs> I think the idea was to make a ring for the kids to stay with him, but we just, we didn't do. But we had pool noodles everywhere. So the kid, one of the kids, they all had them in the ocean, but one of them specifically let go on accident. So this pool noodle just starts floating away from us, drifting. Before we realized it, it's 30, 40 feet off. Right. So don't worry, we rescued the pool noodle. We didn't leave it in the ocean. Um, but later, within a, a day or so, my daughter, who is six, and she is to that stage where she's Struggling with some of her thoughts, starting to realize what's going on there, struggling with fear. And so I was talking to her and I was trying to give her a visual. Um, to hold on to and I just was like you know remember how that pool noodle just floated away from us so fast there was nothing we could do it was just gone and um, I said imagine you just placing your thought on that noodle and just watch it go away from you right well then a couple days ago um, now it's been several weeks but a couple days ago she said again something she was struggling with and I I said, what do we do? Because I, I do. I always talk to her, like, take take the thought captive, think on things that are good, you know, replace it, whatever. And and she said, I just place it on that pool noodle and watch it float away. <laughs> it's so funny that it, like, completely stuck with her. Um, but we can actively take those thoughts captive. We don't have to let the bird build the nest, Right. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Again, we see science catching up with the word of God, what's always been there. The beginning of this verse says though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. So we do, we face very real pain, we face very real hardships, very difficult situations, abuses, traumas, some of you are walking through very difficult times right now. But we, with the power of the Holy Spirit, have the ability to wage war differently. We can react differently, we can react with peace and with trust and with truth as playing as part of our mental soundtrack. So two specific areas where this gets really interesting. Um, that I want to go over with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, many times in Scripture, we are told how our choices affect not only us, but the generations that come after us, and also in turn the generations that are before us. Their choices have a tendency to Affect us and we do see very real genetic codes very real genetic diseases and things like this that come down through family lines, right? Um, What they're finding is that these genetic codes and DNA structures that are passed down from generation to generation um, They are finding that these these DNA strands literally need to be unlocked or unzipped right they can they have an effect when they're unzipped, and that is done through our thinking? Isn't that fascinating? So, even if you have a propensity towards something because of your genetic code and how generations before you chose, even those areas can be renewed. So, sins of the parents can create a disposition, not a destiny. You're not responsible for something you're predisposed to because of decisions that those that came before you made. But you are responsible to be aware of them, evaluate those predispositions, and choose through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, you can apply those things and choose to speak and think life. This weekend we are out camping this past weekend, we went camping and we were walking a trail, like hiking. And one of my kids was like, man, I'm so thankful that somebody cleared this pathway for us, cleared this trail for us. Um, And it just made me think of this exact thing, that how we have the ability, if we'll do the work and we'll take those things and choose life, that not only is it affecting us, but it's going to affect multiple generations that come after us. Isn't that so exciting? It's awesome. Another area um, where we can see this and apply and things like that that they're realizing is that our brain is only capable of holding a set amount of information at any given time. Right? We have a lot going on in our brain and coming in and out. But there's a certain amount that's at the forefront at any given time that we're working with. So what happens is a lot of those things become automation. So when you learn something, at first it's really difficult. My kids are learning piano. At first, it's really difficult. You're thinking of every single note. Like, okay, trying to translate what this is and what the, you know, like it's just difficult. But then it comes a point where, at some point that becomes automated and you don't have to think about what note you're hitting, right? Driving a car. When you leave today and get in your car, you're not going to process every single step of driving a car, of unlocking the door, you know, getting your key, Lifting your leg. Okay, we're sitting down now. <laughs> sitting, putting the key in. Turn, right, we're not, we don't do that. Sometimes we arrive home and we're like, wow, that's scary. I don't, I don't remember driving home. <laughs> um, but that's because our brains, the way that God created us, we automate. We, we put things on automation so that we can function and do the things that we need to do. The same thing happens with our thoughts. So if we're thinking a thought... Over and over and over and over, over a period of time, what happens is that slips into automation, right? So this is where those cognitive biases and things that Pastor Tim has been referring to, those things come in to play. They start to, before long, we're processing and making additional decisions based on what we've automated, right? Right. So this can lead to wrong thinking, addictions, patterns of thought, distrust of others, the way that you process and respond. We might not want to admit it, but some of us are automating some things that are happening on our smartphones. We pick up our phone, it's automating. Because our brain, we've been doing that repeatedly. And so that is becoming a part of automation. What's exciting is that, again, with neuroscience, they're learning with work, and I think they say it's as little as five minutes a day, we can take apart those automations we can recognize we can objectively observe our thinking and allow the holy spirit to show us that's most important but what are some things that are on automation in my heart and in my mind like what's happening my responses that are happening like this why is that happening and start to peel those apart and, and allow the Holy Spirit to regenerate those areas through the meditation, which he talked about, through focused times of prayer, reading your word, things like that. We just want to be completely dependent on, on him. He knows exactly how we're wired. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> he formed us. He knows us. But it's so exciting to me to see the word of God and the things that are there in writing for us and how they are starting, scientists are starting to recognize these minute details about how we're created. He wrote his word with all of that formation in mind, like all of our wiring in mind, and that's why Philippians 4, 8, and 9 is so powerful, which we're gonna read together here again. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. What's so beautiful is when we come to Christ it says, therefore anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So all things can be made new in our minds. No matter what we're dealing with, no matter what we're walking through, no matter what mental torment is on autoplay or worry is on autoplay, whatever's happening, we can be made through, made new through his power. If we Just come to Him, submit to Him, walk with Him.